In 2 Timothy, Paul writes his most emotional and heartfelt epistle. This would be the last one he would write before being received into heaven as a hero. And he is in an actual Roman dungeon. He's suffering immensely. He's recognizing, in fact, he uses such language as I've run my race, I've poured out my heart, I've finished the fight. He uses great metaphors to describe the finality of his life. And he's there. And so there is an emotional height of intimate care for Timothy that's not normal. He's normally very rational, reasonable, logical, spiritually anointed, but his, he just pours out his heart in this epistle toward his spiritual son, Timothy. And as he's writing him, he just moves into the realm of the spirit, really sensing things Timothy was going through. He said this to him in verse 6 of chapter 1, I remind you to stir up the gift of God. We talked about it last week, which was given to you by the laying out of my hands. He said, there's something inside of you that's not being fully utilized, that's not being awakened or realized. There's potential in you that's not being discovered. Stir it up. Every believer has that assignment to stir it up. The flame of the Holy Spirit does not dwindle by itself. The Holy Spirit needs fuel, and the fuel is what I give it. When I give more by hunger, by pursuit, by time, by passion, when I feed my fire, it grows stronger. And then he said this to him in verse 7, recognizing the, potentially the temperament of Timothy being a little different than Paul. Timothy is now pastoring an expanding, exploding church, having revival in Ephesus. And he said this, For God has not given you a spirit of fear. God's not given us a spirit of fear. Well, anything that's not from God, I don't have to take, receive, or accept, or address as a permanent part of my life. And he said this now, you know, with the same the same connectedness of that sentence, but he has given us a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a sound mind. I'm talking about power today, next week love, and then sound mind. He said that the way we overcome fear is through the mechanism of these wonderful spiritual deposits, graces, and benefits that are ours in Christ. We have power through the Holy Spirit. We have the love of Christ in us, and we have the capacity to have a healthy, sanctified, transformed, and renewed mind. And that's the way we stay safe. We stay healthy and stay strong. And so he said this to them. He said, Timothy, the battle you're facing, you need to deploy some power. So Timothy, the word for fear here is the word for intimidation. It's not phobos. It's the other word in the Greek language. It means to be intimidated, to be hesitant, to be reluctant, to have some kind of force. And so my, my supposition is simply this, that there's an intimidating factor in this generation that's trying to shut the mouth of believers and intimidate people into silence and really trying to browbeat people into behaviors that aren't godly. So that's what culture does, okay? That's what culture does. So as believers, we have a different kind of power source. The word for power used here is the Greek word dunamis. 
and it means supernatural power, miraculous faculty. It is where we get the word dynamite, you know, explosive power. And so dunamis means not, not physical agency. So God's not just giving you a powerful mind and a powerful body, a powerful gift or a powerful acumen, attitude or capacity. You have a power from a different world. God's power has been given to you by the Holy Spirit. And so he said this, you need to activate your power. You need to stir up your power. And if you do that, you'll overcome, you'll win, you'll conquer this thing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul said this. It's the wrong scripture in your notes. I apologize, but I'll quote it to you. He said, when I came to you, he came to the church at Corinth. They were pagans. They were you know, atheists, not really atheists, they were worshiping other gods, many kind of idolatrous situations in the Roman Empire. And when he came to them, they weren't interested that he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, that he was a, a, a massively educated man. They weren't interested in his rabbinic history. They just wanted to know if God was real. And so Paul said, when I came to you, I didn't come with enticing words of man's wisdom. But I came to you in a demonstration of spirit and in power, that your faith would not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So literally, when he came to the pagans at Corinth, they didn't care. They didn't want an, an, an a expose. They didn't want to exit Jesus on the book of Exodus. They weren't interested in great rabbinical teaching. They wanted to see a miracle. And Paul, in the first, the first century, there was so much paganism, so much sinfulness, so much immorality that the church couldn't, the church couldn't fall back into just intellectual wanderings, intellectual, you know, uh, uh, intellectual fantasies, living in a theological world, world only. They had to move into power. And so Paul said, you saw the power of God. Your faith in God came because you saw his power. When the church does not function in the power of God, we rob the gospel of the depth of its capacity to transform lives. And we, and we ask people, just believe this teaching. I'm for teaching. I'm a teacher. I love the Bible. I have a massive personal library. I've written 19 books. I believe in theology. But when the church does not demonstrate what it believes, it always represents a half gospel. Imagine today if I passed out Chick-fil-A sandwiches to all of you. Of course, it'd be a miracle because they're closed on Sunday. <clears throat> and and in your sandwich, you open, you, you're ready to take a bite, and you realize they forgot the chicken. It was just two buns and lettuce and secret sauce. You're like, where's the meat? And the Western church keeps presenting a chickenless sandwich to this world. And the world says, that's all you got? We got a lot of philosophies out here. We got a lot of beliefs out here. We have a lot of dogmas out here. If that's all you got is another competing voice, 
then we will put you on the shelf and consider you. But there's so, but but we have something they don't have. That's the power of God. The power of God. Oh, it's real. It's real. In 1 Corinthians 4.20, Paul once again said, the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Dunamis. It's not in the word, but in dunamis. Well, Pastor, what does that mean? Well, lifeless religion equals theology without experience. The kingdom of God equals theology plus experience. God wants people to not just hear about him. They want, he wants them to see him. (laughs) See him. In chapter 9 of John, it's a great story. Christ heals a blind man. It begins by the disciples just fumbling through it. They say, Lord, why is this guy blind? You know, who sinned? His mom, his dad, his grandparents? And he said, man, that's the wrong question. This man wasn't born blind because of a curse. He was born blind so that the glory of God could be seen on his life. And so anyways, Christ heals him. And when he's healed, it creates a disturbance in the religious community. And they're all in an upheaval about this guy being healed. And, and so they gather around him these vampires of religion trying to silence the voice of a freed person. And they're trying to intimidate him. We're, we're scholars. We're, we're Pharisees. We're Sadducees. We're people of consequence. Who do you think you are? He says, he said this, he summarizes it all in verse 25. He answered and said, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, though I was born blind, now I can see. A person with an experience is never at the mercy of a person with only an argument. Now, you need to get this because when the power of God was demonstrated in Acts chapter 4, and there's a great miracle from chapter 3 of a man that, a man that had never walked. He's walking, leaping, praising God. And immediately, the religious leaders brought in Peter and John and threatened them and said, stop speaking in the name of Jesus because their, their whole impulse was this, that the miracle spread no further. Now, what kind of evil philosophy gets upset when people are healed? Religious philosophy. You've got to stay with me. Because people would rather hold on to religious tradition than experience the power of God. And they recognize the power of God is a threat toward long-standing, lifeless manipulation through religious tradition. And so it's a, it's a problem. It's a problem when, more, when people are more concerned about the outcome of something. Well, well you know... Can you imagine trying to stop the momentum of a miracle that it spread no further? You can hear the hiss of Satan in their voice trying to stop the miracle while they couldn't stop it. The disciples rightfully prayed for more. In Acts 1.8, Christ is resurrected. He's preparing the disciples for what's coming. He has an euphoria, not just from being resurrected and conquering sin and 
about to be received in heaven. He has an euphoria about he knows what's coming next, the Holy Ghost. And they said, when are you coming back, Jesus? When are you going to come back? And he says, it's not for you or I to know the times. They're in the Father's hands. He knows them. But he said this, but you shall receive power. Come on, if my voice was louder, I would have shouted that out. You shall receive power. After the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And that power will make you a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, out of the uttermost parts of the earth. Oh, Pastor, I'm not, I'm not very, I'm just not a bold person. I know you're not, but you got power. Oh, oh Pastor, I'm shy. I'm, I'm an introvert by nature. I do this for a living because I'm dependent on the Holy Ghost power. <laughs> it's so true. I'm an introvert. I talk enough on Sunday. I tell my wife I can't talk again till Wednesday. I've used up all my introvert words till Thursday. I've learned to keep reintroducing my temperament to the Holy Ghost temperament and it's turned me into a different person. So I still have my proclivities. I know who I am. I also know who the Holy Ghost is. I know who he is. He's power. So dunamis, miraculous power. So Jesus said, I, I, I'm going to heaven. I'm going home. But I will send to you another comforter whom the Father will give to me. And I will send to you. And here's what Jesus said. The power that made the universe, I'm about to take from that world and put into you. The Bible says in Genesis 1, the Holy Spirit hovered over the waters. The waters of confusion, the waters of incomplete creation, Holy Spirit's hovering over the earth, and God said, let there be light. God said, let there be waters. And the Holy Spirit made everything God said. The Holy Spirit created by sure, omnipotent expression everything God breathed out of his mouth. And the same Holy Spirit that made the universe, Jesus said, when I go to heaven, I'm going to put him in you. And you got power in you. Yeah, is this too much for you? Is this too much? Greater is he that's in you. No kidding than he that's in the world. I have the creative force of the universe in me. The Holy Ghost. He lives in me. And, and, and so the greatest unused resource in the church today is the person and power of the Holy Spirit who's been pushed into a back room and some churches pushed into the church next door they won't acknowledge who he is and what he does but those days are over because we live in a time of such warfare a time of such intensity a first century culture demands a first century church Just stay with me. So Paul shows up, Peter. So they're, well, <laughs> the Roman Empire was wild, folks. It was wild. So if you study Roman history, Roman civilization, 
So they had a great, powerful military, a strong, conquering, uh, you know, purpose. But there was constant idolatry, immorality, violence, every kind of every kind of sin in the world was happening in the Roman Empire. It was unbelievably wicked. And just in that, not because of them, it was in that time frame. So the church is born in a time when demons are walking the street. See, we just tell people, well, that's their personality. No, that's a principality ruling in their heart. Telling them, telling them they're something they're not. Uh, stay with me. You got to stop accepting the voices of demons. And so the early church had no other option than a pure power encounter. Boom. The Holy Ghost was up to it. Now we've returned. Oh, that's, it's, it's progressive. Look what's happening. We're progressing. No, we're regressing. If you read the Bible, you know, all this stuff is not new. Have you read the Bible? Noah. You with me? Lot, Sodom and Gomorrah. Some interesting stuff. Babylon. Way before this, it comes back whenever the light of the gospel retreats, the darkness of hell increases, and that includes almost immediately a disruption in moral uh, godliness, godly morality. Okay, enough of that. So in Acts chapter 4, there's a young guy. He's not a preacher. He's not an apostle. He hasn't been to Bible college. He's a table server named Philip. And Philip is filled with faith. Philip is filled with a passion to share Christ. Persecution comes to the church. And verse 4, those that were scattered, Acts, 4, Acts 8, 4. And they went preaching the word everywhere. Philip went down to a city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And multitudes with one accord heeded the things which were spoken by Philip. Now, here's the secret. Here's the, here's the continual expansion of what, of what kind of gospel he preached. Hearing and seeing the miracles he did. Hearing and they believed what he said because they saw demonstrations of pure power. I was going to play a cool song from the 90s. I've got the power. I've got the power. It's kind of a funky little disco song. I've got the, yeah. Google it, young people. My whole point is this. We're acting as if we have no recourse except to accept that. When we are anointed to deliver them from that. Ah, I'm a deliverer, you're a deliverer, we're all deliverers in Jesus' name. Okay, Acts 10, Paul's preaching at Cornelius' house, and he says, I love this sermon because, excuse me, Peter's preaching, and before he could reach the, the, the altar call, the Holy Spirit pours out on all of them. They start praying in tongues. 
But a beautiful summation of the ministry of Christ when Peter says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. They're, they're together. Who then proceeded to go about doing good. Well, Pastor, that's great. We should do good. And then it expands on what that good was. Healing all that were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. You're anointed to heal oppressed people. In case you haven't noticed, most of them oppressed today. They're oppressed everywhere. And we're anointed by the Holy Ghost to break the bonds of that demonic power over their lives. The Holy Spirit's up to it. And he just wants you to let him go. Let me out. Let me do my thing. Let me set him free. When the power went off in our house, it was, we, we felt like pilgrims for five hours. It was amazing. And uh, the lights were there, but they weren't working. Every appliance in the kitchen was still there. They just didn't function. Have a, a big TV on the wall. It wouldn't go on. It just stared at me like a mirror, a big black mirror. Everything in my house we depended on power. And when the power was shut off, nothing worked. Nothing works in Christianity when the power is shut off. And when the Holy Spirit is dishonored, when he is diminished, when he is put into a back room or to an, a secondary feature, the church loses its ability to manifest the power of God to this generation. <clears throat> so we're, we're called to make a difference. We're called to be bright lights in a dark place. We're called to exhibit the amazing blessings of God in this whole world. The Western church has experienced a prolonged powder outage that has crippled its efforts to reach the lost and influence culture. The gospel of Jesus Christ must be both declared and demonstrated in order to truly be effective. We will never obtain biblical results with a powerless gospel. Can I have an amen? The word of God is infused with God's supernatural power. The gospel of Christ is infused with God's supernatural power. The gifts of the Spirit are infused with God's supernatural power. The fruit of the Spirit are infused with God's supernatural power. You may be weak. It is never a sin for a believer to be weak. But it should never be our permanent condition either. The power of God is greater than the power of the devil. Oh, I think we believe that, but we believe that kind of theoretically, but God wants to demonstrate it through your life. As the enemies declared all-out war and civilization on all things holy and godly, the church must not surrender like we can't do anything, like we are like we are unable, impotent to make a difference. We are difference makers because of the power we carry. I so appreciate, I, I pray the same prayer every day. I'm trying to convince people around the world to pray with me. 
I pray for the mind of Christ from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 through 19. I pray for revelation, understanding, and wisdom, the mind of Christ. I might know who I am, what I have, what I can do, as Paul wonderfully declares. Then I pray for the character of Christ to be awakened in me, the fruit of the Spirit. The Bible says, but the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 2.22, is love and joy and peace and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, patience, self-control. Against such there is no law. There's no human power greater than these virtues. Okay. When I walk in God's love, I demonstrate God's power. What does that mean? When I love people that are unloving or hurtful or dishonoring or violent toward me, when I love people with God's love, I'm unleashing power. I'm not going to let this culture turn me into a monster. We don't defeat monsters by becoming monsters. We defeat monsters by being godly believers, trusting God and walking in the holiness of his nature and virtue. When I walk in joy, what does that mean? Joy is the sound of victory. Joy joy means you have victory in your spirit. So I have the Holy Spirit inside of me is never has a bad day. You with me? He's never had a bad day. He's never had a defeated day. And when I truly activate joy, it's power. The same with peace, the same with all nine fruit. Okay, let's go then to the other part. I pray every day for the nine gifts of the Spirit. From 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. I pray for the gift of prophecy, diverse tongues, interpretation of tongues, the working of miracles, gifts of healing, supernatural faith, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, discerning the spirits. I pray for those nine gifts every day. Why? I need them every day. The, the devil's at war every day. People are hurting every day. I'll never know who I need to pray for. What I pray for them every single day. So part of the way God's power is released is through prophecy. I did a, just did a three months of ministry, you know, 100 meetings, 100 days, 14 cities, that kind of stuff. I saw hundreds of miracles in public meetings. I said, I said all the time, the Holy Ghost power, prophetic words, words of knowledge, gifts of healing, miracles. I see it all the time. It's the Holy Ghost. And I just want to encourage you, every believer, miracles don't follow preachers, they follow believers. And preachers should be believers, you know. They, they should be, although it's shocking how many don't see miracles because they don't contend for them, believe for them, don't think they're necessary or important or promised. That's why they don't have them. So the power of God's released through the gifts of the Spirit. So if you want to see a power invasion in your world, ask God for these gifts. Ask God for the gift of prophecy and just unleash. Prophesy your kid's going to be saved and prophesy your body healed, prophesy your business, whatever it is. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. And then just declare those things. 
Speak life. Speak hope. Speak inspired by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will just give you gift of discerning of spirits. He'll, he'll tell you when the devil is at work, maybe in a, a subterfuge, a hidden way. And you can uncover his activity. You can rebuke him and take authority over him. The devil only wins because the church doesn't fight. The devil only wins through deception, not by power. The devil has never overpowered a believer. He's only convinced them to quit through discouragement and deception. His weapon's deception. Oh, the word of God is infused with supernatural power. The word of God. Amen. The gospel of Jesus is infused with supernatural power, the gifts of the Spirit. So everything God has for us is filled with his power and his life. So when I was a 12-year-old boy, my parents took us to a family camp in Big Bear, California. And um, there was a youth pastor there named Ken Gullick's son. And he, I was raised Lutheran. And so he said, Today I'm going to speak on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, I was raised in Lutheran. I'd never heard that sentence, never heard that phrase. Baptism of the Holy Spirit, that certainly wasn't talked about in our Lutheran church. And the moment he said that, before I heard one other thing, I fell down and started praying in tongues. I'd never heard anyone pray in tongues. I'd never, I had a day of Pentecost visitation. So when people say, well, Pastor, I don't know about speaking in tongues. What do you think? I think, I'm sorry, I'm ruined because I've had a real experience. I'm sorry, your little doctrine. I don't think it's for everybody. Then I don't know who told you that. They lied to you. Well, I don't know. How do we know it's for me? Because the Bible says so. You may, I, Paul says, I pray in tongues more than you all. Despise not prophecy. Forbid not to pray in tongues. Now, don't do it in public. Sir, well, Pastor, you shouldn't have done that public. Okay, let me interpret my, 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 my tongue for you. You should all speak in tongues like Pastor Maiden. There he goes. So I pray in tongues all the time. It helps me to be a good prophesier. I pray in tongues more than I prophesy. By the time I prophesy, I'm already, I'm already in a flow. A Holy Ghost flow, a power flow, a stream of heavenly anointing. From that world, the power of that world that made this world. God who is a spirit created the universe with words shaped by the Holy Spirit's capacity. He made this world, and then he gave the whole, same Holy Spirit to us. He said, now, church, unleash heaven on earth. Pray and prophesy and preach and love and heal the sick and deliver the bound and open blind eyes and cast out demonic powers and, and win the lost and transform culture. Everything that you've been assigned to do, you can do the Holy Spirit through the Holy Spirit oh thank you Holy Spirit for your amazing the, the, the Holy Spirit is so patient with us 
Can you imagine being the smart? If I was the smartest person in the room, in like a like like a classroom setting, let's say in sixth grade, I'd be answering every question. I know the answer. Everybody'd be hating me. Oh, Maiden knows all the answers. The Holy Spirit's such a gentleman; he never speaks without being asked to. He waits for you to honor him, to invite him into your world. And when you do, man, oh man, nothing but good things happen. We're led by the Holy Spirit, amen. We're guided by his leadership, by his peace, by his, his, the revelation of his purpose and will. He gives us visions and dreams and prophecies. He shows us things to come. He guides us into all truth. He brings to our remembrance the things Christ has said to us. He reminds us the devil is defeated. He reminds us of our righteousness in Christ. He makes the word of God come alive. I'm always concerned that when people read the Bible that don't honor the Holy Spirit, it really helps. You know, I, I was, uh, you know, I've, I've done 19 books, and so when I do a book and I'm, I'm, I'm doing it through the editor, either our own editor, Chris Dalton or someone else. And so they'll, they'll say, hey, Pat, you know, what do you mean to say here? They can ask me because I wrote it. When you read the Bible without depending on the Holy Spirit, you'll always come to wrong conclusions. Why? Because you haven't consulted the author. If you don't know the author, you're going to misunderstand his words. It's inevitable that will happen. But not, oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Come on, just lift your hands to heaven. I need to stop preaching. God, thank you for your faithfulness. You're an amazing, loving, faithful God. In this closing moment, I declare it's a miracle Sunday here, a miracle Sunday for your people, a miracle Sunday for every person here. There's been a person here, you've had almost seven straight years with daily headaches and bad. It's not, they're not always crazy bad, but they are at least twice a week, I mean, can't get out of bed. Horrible. If that's you, would you wave your hand at me? I'm going to pray for you. And I believe in God to... If that's you, wave your hand so I can uh, make sure I see you. Okay. Yeah, so would you stand up? Let me pray for you. Command these headaches to end right now in Jesus' name. I loosen the power of God to you. Come on, uh, uh, Pastor Bonnie, if, would you stretch your hands toward that? Devil, get your hands off of her. We declare a miracle day, a miracle breakthrough, and a miracle healing in the name of Jesus. It ends today. Everybody say it ends today. <clears throat> um, Pastor, so, uh, Miss Bonnie, I saw the doctor shaking his head. By the end of this story, everything predicted or expected, God's making not come true. And he's making you a, a medical testimony, a medical witness, a family witness to everyone that's been watching. <clears throat> and you're going to see you're going to see notable cancer healings for the rest of your life. When you lay hands on people like this, like that. Instantaneous. Come on, someone worship the Lord with me. It's true. Thank you, God.
So I saw someone with a, you've had uh, like four back surgeries and I forget when they're, when they're fused together. Um, they've tried their best doctors to help you with the pain, but it's been an unbelievably debilitating uh, event for you. And this is like a uh, 10, 11 year issue with you. And I'm believing today the Lord's gonna, that, so whatever has been fused, God's, God's gonna give you, I believe, a creative miracle. So who is that? That's you. Wave a hand at me. It's been incredible. Okay. Is it you, ma'am? Okay. Yeah, would you mind standing up? Let me pray for you. So, Father, we declare over your daughter today, in the name of Jesus, healing over her back, over all the vertebrae, over her spinal column. And we pray and we believe for a app, a miracle. And you tell me your name. Lydia, can you step out here, Miss Lydia? Would you stand behind her? Yeah. Father, I listen to the miracle of Lydia today. This season, there was um, there's so much pain you've been through, not just physical, but emotional pain. And today I declare pain leaves your body, pain leaves your heart. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, God, I declare a miracle to Lydia. You brought her to church today. We declared this was her day. I speak a healing to your back. I, I saw all these nerves that were just disrupted in constant agony. And Lord, I command the trauma. Something happened at 11 years old and again at 14. And things that happened to you were unfair and unsafe. And the, the, the devil just kept picking on you. But God's writing things, healing things. And God, do a miracle for Lydia today. You're doing good, everybody. You're doing good. Keep worshiping God. That's just real right there, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Lydia's going to have a miracle testimony. Lift your hands to heaven, everybody. Thank you, Lord, for your power, your great healing power today. Your miracle-working power in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come on, come on. Just, just praise it to the Lord just for a couple more minutes. We honor you, God. prophesied God gave me. If you are believing God for a housing breakthrough or miracle, just hold up your hand. So God just gave my pastor friend a miracle a year ago, or today, Friday, from a year ago. Father, we come on, if someone has their hand raised, release your faith for them. Father, we declare help in this part of their life 
favor and grace and divine appointments and divine opportunities for housing in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, God, for miracle testimonies and stories helping these, your children, God, in the mighty name of Jesus. God could do it. God could do it. Come on, he can do it. He can do it. He can do it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Prayer team, if you please join me down front. You're all we want. You're all we Thank you for all kinds of crazy testimonies. Raise up businesses, God, to be blessings to all kinds of people around the world. Do amazing things. As we close this service, I want to invite anyone that wants prayer today to receive it. If you're hurting in your mind or your body, we'd be honored to pray for you at the altar. If you've never received the gift of the forgiveness of your sins, through Jesus Christ, we'd be so honored to pray for you away from God. Make today homecoming Sunday. Come back to God today. Maybe you're just having a horrible week. Let someone pray for you. Anyone wanting prayer, if you come forward just for 60 seconds longer, church, if you worship God, those seeking prayer, make Tell someone Jesus loves them. God bless you.